Amen. Please turn to your reading sheet that's in your bulletin. It looks like this. We're going to read together the scripture at the top of the page. Let's stand and we'll read together. This then is the text for today. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing as before. May God bless the reading of his word. I went to an Aggie game once, and I was standing around looking around. Several of my good high school buddies went to A&M, and I loved to be with them. So to be with them meant sometimes you go to Aggie games. <laughs> and I feel like that the day that I went to that Aggie game, everyone at Kyle Field was way more interested in the game than I was. We sat down on the, the very first row. We were in the end zone down in the, the very front. And it was an amazing vantage point. We had a good time together. Then President Lofton came and, and stood with us. We talked to him for a second. It, it was quite a show that day. It was October 2013. Uh, Johnny Manziel was running roughshod over the Auburn Tigers until he got hurt in the fourth quarter, and all the Aggies moaned like they got hurt. I felt like there were 100,000 people ready to be the 12th man while Manziel struggled off the field. And there I was, just sitting there eating my popcorn. It was, it was, all, it was all a bit surreal being a bystander in College Station, but it sure was entertaining. It's entertaining to go to those Aggie games. And I feel like that's, that's exactly what a, a lot of us bystanders are. Like me, they, they don't really care what's happening in front of them, but it sure is fun to be entertained at someone else's expense. That's what a bystander is. You're just, you're just standing around, lurking there like a fly on the wall, hoping to be entertained without any real responsibility. Ultimately, it's, it's an escape from reality. There, there are many people who would rather live their lives as bystanders, not actually doing much of anything in this life except avoiding responsibility. You see, being a bystander is a beautiful thing. You have no worries, you have no rejection, you have no loss. I didn't lose to Auburn in 2013. It made for a nice day. You just sit there eating your popcorn. It's all quite cozy. But you're not called to be a bystander. You are called to be an agent of the living God, an agent of the commander of angel armies. See, Eliav, 
David's oldest brother accused David of, of being a bystander like this, of just coming around to be entertained. He, he, he looks at David and he, and he looks at him with anger in his heart. And he said, what have you done with the sheep? Where did you, who'd you leave them with? And, and what are you doing here? Why did you run down here? Did you just want to see the carnage of the battlefield? You came here to be entertained. I know you did. Eliav gets at the heart of something there. Right? He, he knows the heart of many people. There, there are a lot of us who are ambulance chasers. But David was not one of them. That's not who our David was. Earlier in the chapter, we're, we're told where David came from. David's father had given him that mission. He said, you go and you help your brothers. You take this to them. You go out to the battlefield and see how it's going. David was on a mission from his father. Which brings me to my, my second point about bystanders. Because there, there's a lot of bystanders who are just out there for entertainment. We just want to be entertained at somebody else's expense. But then there are others, maybe even beyond the entertainment, that they just like to stand around and think up theories. See, El Eliab had no clue what was going on in David's life, and he really didn't know what was going on in the battlefield. And so he was just standing around making stuff up. Since he was just sitting on the sidelines, he had plenty of time to think up new theories, all kinds of alternative theories about what's going on on the battlefield and what's going on in David's heart. This is one of the habits of bystanders. Bystanders always just talk in theory. They have no experience with actually getting anything done, so it all just kind of stays in theory. Eliab is, is spending his time theorizing instead of doing, spending his time talking instead of doing what he's been called to do. And you see, we, we get at the heart of, of Eliav here. He, he doesn't care to test to see if his theory is true. That, that, that doesn't really matter to him. He just wants to talk. And as long as he's talking instead of doing, he cannot be disproven. This is the easy way out because everything just kind of stays in theory all the time. And when everything stays in theory, you will never lose. Because if you actually try something out, it may not work. So you never actually try it out. You just stay a bystander thinking up new theories. Talk about it all the time. This is not the way the gospel works, though. We don't just stand around and talk about the gospel in theory, hoping it's true. Christians are doers of the word, actually working their faith out and living our faith out in mighty ways, actually doing what God has called us to do. God doesn't need you standing around thinking up new theories about him or about anybody else. God wants you to be a doer of the word. You are not called to be a bystander. You are called to be an agent of the living God, an agent of the commander of angel armies. And here's another. Bystanders are bad advisors. You, you read all through that. They, they give all, all of Goliath's stats in there, right? You read verses 4 through 7. It tells you all about Goliath. The bystanders had gathered all those stats together. They were gathering all those stats so they could, they could give out advice about what to do. So we've gathered all, all the stats. We, we've heard everything about Goliath, and, and we have seen the, the state, the state of his impenetrable armor that this champion was wearing. He hasn't been defeated 
And you know full well those bystanding soldiers were gossiping about all of the brass that Goliath was wearing, about the 126 pounds of armor that he had on, about the 15-pound spear that he was carrying, about that man that was walking in front of him with a shield so large he needed somebody else to carry it for him. All of those bystanders were ready to give good advice because they'd been calculating in their heads what needed to happen. And when a bystander sees Goliath, they look and they see a champion weighing a 1,000 pounds. But an agent of the living God sees something different. That's not what David saw, was it? David saw some man who is defying his God. See, we in this room know this, that the size of the opponent does not matter in the spiritual realm. Doesn't matter how much exercise Goliath had been doing. The size of the opponent does not matter to our living God. Whatever the size of the elephant, he will fall because he was defiant towards our God. All opposition of God always falls every time. So you are more. You're more than a bystander. You are an agent of the living God, an agent of the commander of angel armies. You are more. Let me give you another one. Bystanders have, have terrible resources. It, it looked like Saul had something to give, but it was terrible. It wasn't going to work. They, bystanders always want to give you their resources because it helps them to feel like they've actually contributed somehow. But because they're a bystander, they have no idea what the needs are. They have no idea what you actually need in this instance. If you get down in, in verses 38 and 39, you get this awkward scene where, where Saul, who's described as a tall man, head and shoulders above the rest, is trying to share his armor with David, who's described as a youth, shorter than all the rest. It, it isn't going to work. Saul had no clue how to help David, and so he just started throwing stuff at him. Saul came up with the best idea a bystander could bake up, and he just went with it. But bystander help is not help. It's a person blindly throwing resources at a problem they don't yet understand, which was obvious in this case, because David saw clearly. David spoke the truth. He knew that this, this battle had nothing to do with armor. David had no need for armor. And he had no need for armor because he knew our God. And God had prepared him for this moment ages ago. You, you weren't created to blindly dump resources on people who are actually working. You were created to be an agent of the living God, an agent of the commander of angel armies. This is, this is how David spoke to it. It's 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. It's what David says to Goliath. You have come against me with sword and spear and javelin. He's all these resources, right? We're comparing resources. The bystander says the resources don't match. They're going to win. So he, he continues on. He says, you know, you, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David is the only person in this entire scene that is not a bystander. David is the only one willing to step into this daunting situation. But you need to hear this this morning. This is not about David. This whole situation is beyond David. Right? This is something more. 
This is a holy confrontation of a defiant Goliath with the creator of this universe. And David is the only one willing to be an agent of God rather than a bystander. And the reason why he's the one that is willing, because he has seen and known the power of God already in his life. He's saying, I know who God can be in this situation, and I will stand and I will proclaim the name of our God in front of this giant. Everyone else must have forgotten or never known, because they can't see it. They can't see the power of God here. As you work through this text, 1 Samuel 17, you see that, that it calls Goliath defiant six different times. Sometimes it uses synonyms like mock or something like that, but, but six times it says this godless man derides our God. And the whole nation of Israel let this scoundrel determine the terms of conditions. When Goliath starts shouting at the army of Israel, they, they all just shrink down in fear. And do you know why the, the army of, of Israel begins to shrink down in fear? It's, it's because they rightly started looking around at one another. And as they looked around at one another, they said, we're alone. And we cannot do this. And so they just began to, to shrink down. They, they were a broken, ragtag group, unable to match Goliath. That, that's true. And, and bystanders take note of that kind of thing. But David knew different. David knew the Lord. David knew another way because he was an agent in the kingdom of God. David knew that, that in all of his other experiences with God, God didn't let the defiant ones stand tall. All, all defiance before God will be brought down low every time. And David knew this. D David knew that he was not going in alone. This, this was not a situation that Israel was going to have to stand by themselves. But God was there. God was with them and building them up into a great army. They, they weren't alone. David knew it. And, and all those bystanding soldiers, they were looking around and they were looking at David with that, that same kind of anger and, and insincere comments that his brother made. They, they looked at David and said, this is a no-win situation. It's, it's not going to happen. And, and like everything in life, it is a no-win situation if you run it alone. But God's people aren't alone. And, and David wasn't running alone. He was running in the complete power and authority of our God, the creator of the universe. And follow me here. This was not unique to David. This is the same authority and the same power that was known in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the same authority that's known in the power of the Holy Spirit in the church today. When you sign on as an agent in the kingdom of God by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, the Holy Spirit is coming too. And the Holy Spirit is coming like a mighty, violent, rushing wind into your life, filling you with the authority of God. We do not walk in fear of the defiant ones, but we walk in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit because nothing can stop our God. You're not called to be a bystander. You are called to be an agent of the living God, an agent of the commander of angel armies who will stand against all the evil and the pain in this world. Our God is not overwhelmed. Our God is not afraid or caught off guard. And, and that God is available to you this morning in the person of Jesus Christ. 
See, through the power of the cross, you have access to this living God. The same living God that David called upon, we have access in the church today. And, and this power and this life that we are living will be a waste. And, and the cross of Jesus Christ will be missed if you live your life like one of these bystanders. See, the cross means nothing to you if you spend your days searching for entertainment at the expense of somebody else. If you're searching for entertainment without responsibility, the cross means nothing to you. The cross means nothing to you if you spend more time offering advice on Christianity rather than acting like a Christian. The cross means nothing to you if you're living your life in theories. The cross means nothing to you if you're sharing resources without getting your hands dirty. See, you're not, you're not called to be a bystander. You're called to be an agent of the living God, an agent of the commander of angel armies. This weekend, I was, I was praying with some friends. I have some friends that have a ministry here in town called Wildfire Network. And we were, we were praying together this weekend. And as we were praying, I felt like God was giving me a, a picture of this sermon and this text. You know, on one side... We could see all of the, the pain and the evil of the world was building in a mighty way. But on this side, you, you can see our God, and he's surrounded by just battalions of angels. And, and here we are, standing in the middle, wondering what we are to do. And through that, it seems as though God, God was looking down and saying, you're not, you're not a bystander in this. You're not a bystander. I need you to come and report for duty. Let me tell you something. The, the bystander looks so comfortable sitting on the front row eating their popcorn. There's no visible concerns. Looks like a pretty good gig. But the bystander slowly dies when the entertainment ends. And that's not what you were created for. God has a vision for your life as an agent in the kingdom of God that will transform this church. God has a vision for your life as an agent in the kingdom of God that will transform this city and that will flow out across the globe. That's how the gospel works. It, it's sort of, it, it, it's nurtured here and then it just begins to go out and spread from the churches of our God. And it's going to, to transform us absolutely if we would only but set down our popcorn and pick up our Bible, we would be unstoppable. Let's pray. Father, we are in this together, and we are in this with you. Work on our hearts this morning. Stir something within us to cause us to rise up and report for duty. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen.